0: Presented by Liquid Sound Records. Here are your hosts, Ryan Katz and Ian Illyrian. Welcome to another episode of All Things Music. Ryan Katz here with my boy Ian. It's been a minute, dude. We haven't actually had a podcast together as co-hosts since early December.
1: So, what's been up? Nothing much, man. Just kicking it. Just kicking it. There's nothing going on at all for the last month and a half. My life is boring. (laughs) Yeah, I doubt that. Without you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you uh, tell everybody about what we're doing in the next couple months as far as our little uh, side project.
1: Yeah, we're starting a really shitty uh, metal band, Uh, so keep your eyes, but more like your ears open for that. Or closed if it's shitty. I guess you don't want to listen to it. I mean, you can make your own opinion. Maybe it'll be good,
0: but... Yeah, so we're doing a, a quick... This a quick plug. We're doing a side project called Killstreak. Uh, we're on socials already. Killstreak Music on Facebook. Uh, very genty, almost to death like heavy as fuck kind of shit. So uh, I've got my band, Audience of Rain. It's more like modern, contemporary, radio rock-ish. We're getting a little progressive wow. on our next album. No, fuck you. Um... So to scratch my heavy itch, we're doing a kill streak, which is cool. Um, so I don't really have anything else to say that I didn't say on my Nam recap uh, episode. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce our guest today. Now, please correct me on your last name pronunciation, because I when I said it on the last episode when I was saying who our guest was this week, I said Bianchi. Is that correct, or is it Bianchi? Yeah,
2: I say Bian. Beyond- I say Bianchi. Bianchi. <laughs> yeah, so like yeah.
0: Bianchi, like if you're a good singer, you got to right. be Bianchi. yeah, exactly. Okay, so sure. I fucked up, and that's okay. I won't fuck up again. It's no, I've heard a lot key. of
2: different ways. That's the way I've always said it, and I don't know what's the exact correct <laughs> pronunciation my, or myself. So, so well, what do your I'm parents say? I'm not too sure. Bianchi as well. So
0: if everybody in your family says Bianchi, yeah, that's, it's Bianchi. That's, that's what we roll with.
2: Yeah. What
3: <laughs> what we're going to say.
0: Uh, Chris is the owner, and again, correct me if I'm wrong here. Chris is the owner of CB Entertainment. Mm-hmm. And is that also your role in Legend Records, Legend Recordings Yeah. the owner? Okay. Yeah. And they both serve different purposes. From what I understand, CB Entertainment is more of the management uh, representation, right. PR stuff. Yeah, yeah, And definitely. Legend Recordings is more of the distribution and other sync licensing maybe. Yeah, yeah, of course,
2: so. and more of a focus kind of, I guess, as a record company would, yeah, record label.
0: Right, so. okay. So how do you go about, juggling two companies because i have a company and i barely have enough time for my own company so how do you go about doing that
2: honestly it's difficult but it's taken you know time to figure out and i'm still figuring out and working on this like every single day you know it's always a new challenge but um you know, the first focus was CB Entertainment for a long time. I mean, almost 10 years, you know, we spent just developing that company, figuring out what worked, what didn't work, um, building a reputation, et cetera. So it took that amount of time, I feel like not saying 10 years, but it took that amount of time to kind of get my bearings, understand what was going on before i dove into something else wholeheartedly sure um so that's how i found to make it work was just kind of one thing at a time in a way and then once the first thing was kind of automated so to speak you know was kind of flowing old machine yeah yeah um but shit goes wrong all the time. But anyways, but um <laughs> as you know, I'm sure. But um yeah, so so that helped open the door to do that, and sure. now I try to bring some more people on too, whether it be interns or a few, you know, outside employees, third party people that help keep things moving and I help oversee kind of the operations. So that's kind of how we keep it flowing. But it's still crazy. Day to day, every day is still insane. Yeah, and so. the one
0: thing I've learned being an entrepreneur of, of a, a business, especially a business that's more services than product, right, is you have to constantly correct things. And, and again, that well-oiled machine, you have to make things better and better every single day, every single week, every single month because... You learn so much from your business model to where it started. Like I look back, and when I when I went full time with with Liquid Sound Records, and right. I'm like, ooh, I had all kinds of holes and all kinds of things that just were not nearly as professional as they are now, and not done really yeah. easily and efficiently. Honestly, the efficiency is probably the most important because you could spend hours doing something that you you know it used to take you forever, and now it takes you no time because it's such a a, a, a finely tuned you know, process rather than something that he started out as. I'm sure yeah. you could speak to that too.
2: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's definitely true. I mean, it's a learning process along the way, and I don't think there's an exact right way for at least this, this industry, you know, entertainment, labels, management, whatever it is. I don't think there's like an exact right way. So that's the best way I've ever found to learn. I know they have certain like music colleges, schools, programs, all this stuff. I'm not saying those don't help, but right best thing I've ever found is you know living it and that's how we adjust
1: it as well. Speaking of like music schools and stuff uh, because I've been thinking about this a lot lately mm-hmm. and I think we've talked about it a couple times what's your uh kind of view on that you know being in your position? Sure sure that's a great question honestly
2: I've heard a lot of people talk about it have different discussions and I think it depends on like what it is you're looking to I guess accomplish and achieve because in today's you know, industry, you can learn a lot of things and pay a lot of money for it. Or you might be able to pick that same information up off of YouTube or just kind of asking or even finding a mentor somewhere that might might offer that stuff free and help you kind of more hands-on. So I think like if you were trying to learn maybe, you know, recording or production or something along those lines, a school could definitely help just to get your bearings more and understand the computers and, you know, whatever it might be there, management or something like that. I don't know that they can necessarily teach that. I mean, they do teach it, but I don't know that you could, like, learn that through a college yeah. and then go manage artists because it's going to be so many variables that get thrown in. So
0: I don't know if there's a wrong answer. I right. think, like, it just depends on, one, the resources because, yeah. as we know, school costs a lot of money. Um, but, like, a mechanic, for example. You can go to uh, mechanic school and you could learn at your own pace, like, a really good good finite way to be a mechanic or you can go apprentice a mechanic and yeah. just be thrown into the fire. Yeah. And I guess it really depends besides putting resources aside it depends on what kind of learner you are.
2: That's true too. Y-
0: you know, I I thrive on just getting thrown into something and mm. just learning on the fly and making the mistakes. Right. Right. I'm not very good at school. I I'm never the same same
2: exact way and right. agree. You know, it depends on the person too, but I'm the same way. I I'm, I'm very hands on with trying to learn and even if, you know, I don't do it right or whatever it might be, that's that's how I take in the information or the knowledge the best.
1: Yeah, and what's interesting is from you guys being like in the management standpoint of things and like distribution and uh stuff like that, that is where I don't flourish. I mm-hmm. um I produce my own music, you know, I record my own music, that's I do awesome. a lot of that. And I learned that on my own, but like when it comes like management and distribution, it's something that has kind of always been elusive to me. Yeah. And like I've learned a lot from him and stuff, but I felt like if I went to school, if I had to go to s- school for something like that, that's what I would go for. Sure. So the sure. opposite of you guys. So it's kind of like, you know, the opposite side of the river. That's kind of how I see that, and that's so that's interesting that yeah. that you said that because it's whereas you guys, it's intuitive for you. Right. It's not for me. You know what I'm saying?
2: Sure. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I mean, and I think again, you can, you can learn a lot like at a school and probably there's so many variables, but like the where, you know, who you also are able to surround yourself with maybe at that school, you know, is it like a Cleveland school? There's some good people I'm sure, but in Nashville in LA, you know, wherever, something sure. like that where you could really, Berkeley. yeah, Berkeley, yeah, and, yeah. And make yeah, make great networking and kind of, piggyback again what is your long-term goal i guess off of what it would be but yeah that's a, that's a great i guess question and topic of conversation yeah
0: honestly um it's funny we bring this up because when we were on the way back on the road from uh, louder than life or maybe it was on the way there i don't remember um we listened to the joe rogan podcast and they had the black keys on i and love that yeah, yeah that was a great listen it was, was a too. great listen and uh I don't remember the main guy who was doing most of the talking, but he said something that re- has resonated with me since then. I've always known it, but it was it, it was something different to hear it articulated, and that's the biggest problem that musicians have is they're not educated. Yeah. And that doesn't mean they're dumb. No, that no. That just means that musicians, all their lives, and I speak about myself and others as well, focus on the music. They don't focus on what actually happens in the business. Very true. So when they go and they become successful, and it's time to navigate the business, they're making all kinds of moves that are not good moves because they don't know any better.
2: Right, right, and that is honestly what even got me started you know, into management or artist development or any of that stuff a long time ago was, you know, we had a manager even at the time. He helped us the best that he could and, you know, had a big uh, client roster and all these things going on. So it kind of fell upon my shoulders to like somebody in the band has to figure this shit so out. Tell you
0: know. everybody what band you were in.
2: Uh, it was a heavy metal band called Forever in Terror. Okay. Right. Yeah. From Cleveland. I know it very Good times. well.
3: I <laughs>
0: wanted to make sure our listeners know it was, it was a fun band. I don't remember. I believe we've I owned Blitzkrieg Booking and Promotions at the time. Okay, okay. With uh, Ben Lubitz. Oh, yeah. He founded Bravo Artist, and now he... With Corey, right? Yes, with Corey Hodge. And then he went on to do Paradigm Agency in New York. Now he's doing something else. But he's a childhood friend of mine, and uh, we had our little high school booking company. But we... uh, I think we might have booked Forever and Terror for a show as support for somebody. I don't recall, but it was... uh, We played all over the place, man. man. Those were fun times. (laughs) I
2: remember there was... 2006, seven, yeah, eight ish. around as a MySpace
0: like, era because I remember being that way about MySpace and just like listening to different bands. And I remember there was a couple hmm. of forever and terror songs that I was like always jamming to that were on MySpace.
1: Just curious. Cause like in 2000, were you guys playing around like 2009? Mm, you know, I don't know
2: if we did at that time. Maybe in like a slight little reunion thing or something, yeah. but not like full full
1: time at that point. I don't believe. Because back in my day, in my <laughs> heavy metal band in high school, when I was sixteen, <laughs> would have been two thousand nine. Right. Nice, nice. And I I rem- I remember some of those names. That's why I'm over here like smiling because I was, was, was like oh, Peabody
2: man. still. I can't even remember was Peabody, Peabody still.
0: Peabody's closed in 2013.
2: So it was still there then it was in still like there. 9, 10, 11. I went to a lot of killer shows there and oh played a shitload of shows there too. Like every, yeah, I would like go everybody. alone,
0: man. Sometimes like, if, if there was a show and it was on a weekday and just I like, couldn't get it buddies to come with me, I, it, it was just something you had to do. Yeah,
2: it just felt good, comfortable place yep. to just go. You like knew the people, bartenders, whoever. You just you know felt comfortable there. Yeah. It was cool. Shout
0: out Chris uh, Zitterbart. We had him on the uh, podcast, what it was it, like a half a year ago, but we talked about... All the good old Peabody's days and amazing stuff, but that was, yeah. Oh God, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, those were horrible. <laughs> that was a, that was fun times, but uh, yeah, Forever and Terror, wow, that really jogs my memory. Um, so okay, so the other cool, the cool, funny, whatever you want to call it, thing that I remember most about CB Entertainment, at least since I've known you, uh, did you go to Kent State?
3: I
2: didn't really go to any
3: college. Okay, so no. I went <laughs> to Kent State
0: from '09 to '14, mm-hmm. victory lap, and uh, I remember towards I don't know what year I was. You you would know better than me, but I would be driving down what was that De- Haymaker Street? Uh,
2: Terrible with road
0: names. All even, right. But. Well, there was that building, and it was a o- little office building on the yeah, corner. Yeah, yeah. And I remember yeah, me and Brian had that yeah. spot. And I remember all of a sudden the sign in the front said CB entertainment. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh shit, they got offices now. <laughs> yeah. So I Tell remember. me about uh, what, what, what that was about. Cause I was always curious and never asked you about it, but
2: just a space to work back then. We cut a good deal with the guy somehow myself and Brian, my mm-hmm. partner for CB entertainment. But, um, yeah, we just wanted a space where we could work set up and our initial goal back in those times was to actually build like a little studio in there or like even a mini screen printing area. Okay. So we could have like artists come in there, we could print stuff, you know, just host meetings and whatever. So that was kind of short lived though, and the main thing was I found at least at that time, it was earlier on in the business. We didn't generate enough revenue to want to spend sure. the money on having, you know, an office space. So, I mean, it was nice to be able to work there, have the meetings. And that's why but, I
0: ask, because I've always yeah. been like, eh, do I get a brick and mortar at some point? I it don't didn't, know. Yeah, I mean, you know?
2: it was like, I, I forget even what it was, but I mean, it was like damn near $1,000 a month. That, oh you know, we weren't we weren't like money hungry, but it's like, man, we could keep that in our pocket, mm-hmm. work from home or go to a Starbucks or, you know, we're traveling I mean, anyways, listen, it's so. great
0: to tell clients that I have an office. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like come to my office. It's not in my home. Mm-hmm. Like that's a big thing because that alone gives you, me, anybody more credibility. Right. But and I don't it's know nice if that, that money, you see that money. Yeah, from that.
2: certainly. And it's sometimes, I guess, you don't want people to come to like what would be your home, but you don't have to. I mean, you can meet at a coffee yeah. shop. Oh, you can, for sure. you know. So, no, it's worth at least i'd say because a lot of the stuff is done online anyways phone calls Everything. emails so you could do that yeah. from anywhere
0: absolutely so. and now it's actually a, a film school so it's an acting school because I, oh, I, I, I saw that yeah, yeah yeah
2: that's right it's been there quite a while now too. yeah
0: so i guess they're doing something right right Not that you weren't but
2: shout yeah. out to that landlord he was a nice guy he was easy to work
0: with so yeah that's, <laughs> that's awesome cool. <laughs> that's cool um so let's fast forward now as far as again, just CB Entertainment goes, what what do you what do you enjoy doing the most for your clients? That's a cool question too.
2: Honestly, I get the the most satisfaction out of just helping artists like grow as a whole. Mm-hmm. I guess you know, like fame to me or whatever, or even like getting a record deal for some of my clients. We've done quite a bit of those, you know, but it's more about like taking a band from a local level or a local understanding, you know, who. They're like the brightest people that I see shine because they're not like tainted by the industry yet. They're not like, oh, I hate this and I'm jaded by this and right. whatever. So you can kind of help boost them up and teach them the right way from day one, hopefully, and see them grow and flourish. And whether it again, it's like becoming big and famous or rich or whatever, to see them go from like a local to a quote national level is like the best, I think, satisfaction for me, you know, see them have a better understanding, a growth, build the streams, get on the road, play a bigger festival, something like that.
1: Yeah, it's funny, I, you know, I, I deal with a lot of, like, local artists, but you guys do, like, mainly rock and metal stuff, I assume? Yeah, yeah, mostly. Yeah, so, like, I'm, I'm like, big into, like, the electronic music stuff, and, like, kids especially in that scene, because they're DJing, they're not even really producing yet or anything. Right. They are so... I I don't know if that's a proper word to use, but I'm gonna use it, naive. hmm sure. And they, yeah, just, that... they just don't know, like, you know... Um, like I have a really close friend. I work with him a lot, and I've kind of mentored him a lot recently. And it is amazing, you know, the amount of stuff that, even think five years ago I was kind of in his position. Yeah. And it just reminds me, man, you learn a lot in five years if you hang around the right people and if you have the right guidance.
2: No, that's so true, and it's a it's crazy, too. That's the thing I try to, I guess, instill to artists today, and I'm still learning this myself because I come from I guess that older school model, you know, again, the MySpace time and when CDs were still in stores when MTV still played music. So I've stayed hip with the adjustment. I haven't, you know, stayed stuck in that time. But um, yeah, figuring out with the modern artists, it's not really just about the music anymore. You have to almost learn to become the influencer, the creator, give you know, create content, put music out there. But there's so much and it's overwhelming to artists. But I guess if you can figure that out or get the right Formula going, it makes sense, you know, in today's industry.
1: Right. uh Speaking of platforms like CDs, mm-hmm. uh, modern day platforms like Spotify, iTunes, Bandcamp. um What's What's? Do you have any insight on that? I mean, being being in your position, being and you know, being in Ryan's position, sure. you guys gotta really stay on top of that type of stuff. We talked about this actually with um Slave, who we had on a couple months ago, mm-hmm. and. um he had some interesting insights. I'm I'm interested to see because he comes from the electronic scene. You come that's from cool. a rock scene, which is a little bit more. I don't want to say the word older, but yeah, that makes sense. More, a- yeah, yeah, it yeah. makes sense. No, it does. So, what what are your kind of insights for that genre?
2: I think radio seems to still be a big thing for the rock world to help break artists and stuff like that. But I mean, I guess platform wise is. Uh, it's still streams. You know, it seems like, I mean, Spotify, Apple Music, you know, is still the main hub. Vinyls, it seems like there's a huge resurgency and a wave coming back for those.
0: And that's interesting, too, because they're starting to predict that the same thing eventually will happen with CDs 10 to 20 years from now.
2: Yeah, I, so. could, I guess I could see that. And I mean... I like vinyls. I like CDs still too and tapes even, they're all cool to their own, you know, they each have their own like unique little thing. Unless you have a brand new
0: car, most of those those older cars still have C D players in them, so they're used for somebody. Mine does. Does it? Mine does not. I can't
2: I I think mine does too. But um (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think platform wise it's cool depending on the artist again because I've seen artists on both sides of the spectrum to where so if they were signed to a record company and got 10 million streams they saw next to nothing, you know, payout wise, because they took in advance or whatever it might be their deal. But I've seen an artist get, you know, say 10 million streams, just random example, but being independent on a Spotify, Apple Music, and they'll make good money, you know, multiple thousands of dollars, 20 grand, 30 grand, something, you know, the how to get that 20 million streams. I don't know. I don't think anybody has an exact prediction, you know, unless maybe you're a major label or something. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, so, I mean, streaming sim- seems to be still the number one thing for, for artists of all.
0: And let's talk about something controversial because you, uh, not that you uh, you told me about it, but I kind of did some more research on it. We were talking uh, privately about, because you've been helping out my band with some streaming stuff. Yeah. And you were saying about these click farms. Oh, yeah. In, w- w- in uh, what is it, Indonesia?
2: I yeah. think they're all over the world okay. Honestly too There's a bunch of good articles about it uh, Probably Indonesia would be like one of the main and spots And there's I would nothing
0: think, but- Spotify or these other people Can do to combat it Because it's it's organic but it's not right
2: right and then they're so i mean they're so good with it it's just like i mean stem it back to whatever myspace when you could hack the numbers and say you got three billion plays (laughs) or eight you know 80 million friends or fake it till you make it. yeah exactly i mean they figure out a way for anything in the early days of uh facebook you could buy likes or comments easily you know and just any of the same type of things so i think it's that but from what I understand, again, this is—I love like conspiracies. I don't think this is. I think this is true, but mm. kind of conspiracy in my mind also is like the major labels do that stuff and they fund that stuff. I mean, well,
0: they'll see the money back. Yeah, too, yeah, so
2: exactly. And they hire somebody third party to go buy an office space somewhere and then pay these people to buy all the phones and you know pay the the system to keep it going and pump up whatever it might three hundred hundred thousand plays a day or three million plays a day on those. And yeah,
1: it's definitely not conspiracy is definitely real if you go on YouTube right and watch the videos the same thing with um i don't do you know anything about bitcoin a little
2: bit not very yeah, much yeah
1: these people they have farms and stuff and nothing but like big GPUs that they just literally wow. farm bitcoin and cash it in yeah i've heard of it's that but i've never the same never. thing with the likes cuz these people they make money off it so they make the farms and then people like um that want to be instagram you know ig famous or something right they go they buy that shit so they make money off it you know yeah that is true but it's 100 percent real you go on youtube right now and look it up and people walk you through even like the cryptocurrency mining farms
2: how to set it up or how to set it it up yeah how to
1: do it you can make a mini farm even right in your own house as long as you have enough power and stuff that's pretty wild yeah
0: but what's, what is funny about this is, is as important as streams are, they are so important, especially when you're talking to talent buyers, sponsors, and labels. It helps, yes. Um, but as Jamie Josta said not long ago on one of his podcasts, if and he sees this frequently because if you're in a big band, you see a lot of openers and you, you do your research on who's opening for you even locally – And you'll see, uh, let's say, a local band open up for you, but the local band has 50,000 Facebook likes and a million plays per song. Right. And no one shows up to their show. (laughs) So something's not adding up. Yeah, you can tell. And that's (laughs) a bad look.
1: Well, and that's what's important about um, grassroots growth. And unfortunately, the rock scene's bad, but the electronic scene's worse. Because all these kids, you know, they get ghost producers, they get
3: Yeah. They they, yeah.
1: they they don't even if they don't do make their own music theoretically in quotations, it's not really their music if you know what I'm saying. Mm. And not only that, but then they go and they fake all the views.
2: Exactly. So but, yeah, I mean at that point it's just I guess the fake it till you make it or hope somebody catches on and it blows up. Well but, I and mean, the
1: difference is, you know, they're they're opening for you know okay so they, they get the views and stuff right you know so when we book like the, the tour stuff and whatnot, you know the big tours big names coming through we put them on the show cause we're like oh they're gonna bring some people but then no one shows up
2: right and then they want and paid you, too right
1: and then you know yeah yeah and then they just look they look you know they don't look good it doesn't look good so word of advice don't do that <laughs>
0: And I think the other thing that I've noticed, because I was both a DJ and now in a a band, Mm -hmm. and the one thing that is very interesting about being a DJ is whether it's locally, regionally, or nationally, there is a major emphasis on where you're put on a flyer. So metal shows, rock shows, generally, it's not as big of a deal. That's true. Unless unless you're, yeah, and a lot
3: of them. (laughs) No, you
2: can't. That's unless you're bad omens. The metal, yeah. No
0: hate to bad omens. (laughs) just thought that'd be yeah, for funny. but uh, The death metal
2: <laughs> stuff especially. It's a yeah. like tree. Oh, for sure. tree branch.
0: But <laughs> what's really interesting, so when I was a DJ, I, knowing this, seeing this, I used it to my advantage and I would say to, and those that are DJs listening, here's some ideas. I would say to the talent buyer promoter in Pittsburgh or Michigan or whatever, I would say, listen, I'll play for half my price. If you put my name higher on the flyer, which is, That's smart. from a principal standpoint, it's not the most ethical thing in the world. However, once I racked up all of these flyers, especially out of market, Good and it, it was like Akuma is here, 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 direct support, direct support, I could send that and use that to other people talent buyers as leverage and Smart. say, look at me, look what I've done. I'm not just some opener now.
2: Right. I've been here. I've been here. Exactly. Yeah. And that builds, that's worth it. Yeah. That's worth taking that. And you that. can
0: do that as a band too in other ways. I right. Just for whatever reason, the, the EDM scene with flyers is very weird, very political. Um, but uh, the, That's the, that, interesting And too. that's something I preach to my clients, not about flyers, but it's all about providing leverage to... The t- talent buyers, sponsors, and labels—the three people right. I believe will make the most difference in your
1: career. So, yeah. that's that's the big thing. When I used to be a part of Druidic, uh, which is like a big, we used to do l- like big promotional company in Cleveland and stuff. Okay, and we did nice. like a bunch of EDM ev- events. We literally had arguments, like long arguments, over flyer positioning. So when he says that he's not bullshitting, it is a hundred percent a real right. thing. Right, it's serious. Yeah,
2: yeah, and.
1: I've noticed like with rock and metal, they don't even hardly do flyers. And if it is, it's like a business card. Yeah, yeah, for the most
2: part, it depends. I guess our online, digital more than physical, I'd say, yeah. you know, maybe a big festival, physical it could be, but it's mostly just, yeah, throw the logos on a digital flyer and promote a Facebook event from what I've seen. Right,
1: and, and in EDM, the most the most money we actually, I think, spent was on, other than artists, was promotional flyers. It was amazing. And, and right. we get graphic designers and stuff and all type, you know, is all about product placement.
2: Yeah, and I have noticed that even, I mean, I don't know the EDM scene, you know, I know what uh, about it, but I don't know it, but I have seen flyers. If you go to cities, you know, there's posters, there's flyers, postcards everywhere you go and stuff like that, and it'd be cool if bands took, I guess, that approach some more I, or attempted so at that some. Yeah, but
3: maybe definitely. Scene blew up
0: so much. It might be, mm-hmm. and, and I think, and again, we talked about this, but yeah. rock and metal being an older genre it also generally speaking it has an older demographic yeah that's true and young people tend to be more ambitious in generally speaking so you could have a, a 17 18 19 year old dj who has no problem going boots on the ground to a college campus and passing, passing out flyers you could have a 30 year old in a rock band who's just i'm not feeling right i'm today. not doing so, that shit yeah, yeah exactly. I, I think that's, <laughs> that's definitely part of it too great um, point so now let's talk about legend Cool. So I know Legend was born after CB, like you said, a decade mm-hmm. after. Or so, um, and it was Legend originally an imprint just for distribution, or did you always have big like a big outlook on it?
2: So I started it initially as just a place to put out music that I truly enjoyed. As I mean, most people probably have that story, right? But. I, You know, from being in the management field, development field, there was always a great handful of bands that I felt could be proper on a label or get that next step or were ready to take that next step. And, you know, maybe I had gone through all of the options that we might have had or anything I thought could make sense and they still wanted some sort of help. So I'm like, man, I want to help them. Um, so that's kind of what spawned it, you know, was just figuring out how I could put something different together. Um, I keep everything completely separate too. You know, I don't really cross over anything with CB to legend as far as okay, like, I was gonna ask. yeah, that. as far as that goes, I mean, it's two completely separate entities, different everything as far as it goes. Although if we do, you know, pick up an artist, I guess that we help represent, we still will keep it separate as far as that would go. So it would not be like cross dipping, you know, so to speak sure. on, on mon, monetary from the artist to keep it fair to them. But um, yeah, so it was a labor of love started it ended up talking with, uh, I think, E1 music. Initially, we talked to like Sony, it was a few other places just to try to find what would make the best home to start distribution wise. Because, you know, while I was starting with knowledge, I was starting with zero as far as any proven label history or sales or any numbers with that stuff. So what year was this around? three four years ago okay so, so i'm not positive
0: yeah and so my follow-up then is what and at the time i, I don't remember the landscape specifically and i know it's changed a lot mm-hmm. but what could sony or some of these other companies offer in regards to distribution that say a cd baby or a, a tune core or or ditto or whatever yeah what great question what's the difference
2: i guess The look, you know, is important to a lot of people. So you can say, you know, hey, I work with Sony or whatever, as opposed to a CD baby. So that opens doors even through emails and purpose for whatever it might be. Not that it, you know, moves the needle automatically. Second thing is funding wise. You know, I mean, those companies not I mean again you have to have kind of something proven there but I mean they have hundreds of millions of dollars that are available to sign sub labels or to sign people so you know if you can go to them and say hey here's my proven numbers here's my history here's what I want to do you can pull three million dollars from a you know a bigger kind of conglomerate company as opposed to a CD baby or somebody would never you know give an artist probably a dime I mean I'm not saying never but I don't think they do that so um that that was it. And then just overall help, too. They help with marketing. They help as far as like if you have an artist that's proven, they have a team of marketing uh, like in New York City, L.A., you know, these places that can take your releases, take the things that are coming up in the pipeline and kind of pro- help prioritize it based on. It's value, you know, it's worth their belief, how much you can convince them, et cetera, and then get them on board for it so then they can help you get things like Apple Music placements at the top of it or Spotify special features or, you know, little little additional things, I guess. But it's a long way. It's kind of like being that, what is it, small fish in the big pond all over again in a way because you're starting back down without any leverage or proof, you know, working with somebody like that.
1: Well, and the convincing is kind of like going back to faking it till you make it like, Stupid things like the flyer product placement thing, mm. which is which is interesting. Like if you if you do that enough, then you can convince them, hey, you know, I've done this X, Y, and Z right so many times. Pay attention to me. Give us some fun, yeah. Help, us, know,
2: help us level up.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I I want to just say for our listeners, um, in your words, um explain to us distribution and kind of how it works yeah totally great question as well too for that um so i mean it's
2: the way to release your music or your product or even your video i guess to the world you know it would be the platform that you use to do so um to reach spotify apple music you know, iTunes, Amazon. Like hundreds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I don't even know what's out there. Honestly. I want to ask <laughs>
0: you about that too, real quick, because I, you know, we have distribution through Ditto Music, mm-hmm. and when I look at all the stores on our distribution portal, honestly, and somebody's got to be listening on so and so website, right, those platforms but I'm like, who? Yeah, like I listen, wonder I, the same. I would say, and actually, you can see this at least in, in, in our portal; it'll give us a pie chart of. Um, like, listen where the royalties are coming from. Okay. So, like, we, I believe, we have 70% of our royalties coming from Spotify. Yeah, yeah. So that tells you most people are listening to Spotify. Right. Right. Apple Music hub. second. I think Amazon Music's on there, Rhapsody, a couple other ones. But then you get Entitled and then you get down to like just i don't know some of these other ones yeah, spanish-speaking
1: yeah. ones all these crazy ones and i'm like hmm. someone somewhere i guess well it's like someone this is this is interesting because like every once in a while for laughs not that i'm self-conceited but i do google myself yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean i think a lot of people do just to see well
2: if you're especially like in entertainment music anything see if there's anything cool yeah it's up. it's always fun it's <laughs> right. always fun it's fun to show your friends and
1: stuff be like oh hey you know because um, they never believe you when you talk you know <laughs> right. what i'm saying Anyway, uh I was scrolling through it one day, and like one of the the sixth thing the sixth thing down on Google was like a French website dedicated to like my e p and stuff and I don't know if the the label I went through they did that through some type of distribution because okay. I wasn't really involved in that right um but it was weird and it was interesting it was all French and I had to use like um Google Translate to even know what the hell it was to look saying. on the page. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's stuff like that where you like don't even think about, <laughs> and it's like, wow, that's weird. At least it wasn't like a hate site. Like, <laughs> oh, right, we, we Frenchies hate <laughs> yeah. Ian O'Leary. <Hilarion>. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible music. So appara- apparently, dub- apparently, dubstep is big in France. I don't. Of course, that's cool. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> um,
0: so yeah, that's interesting. But uh, I- the one thing that I always Will say to my clients at least, and I, 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 you know, everybody knows who's listening knows that I prefer rock and metal. With that being said, mm-hmm. I represent mostly hip hop. Sure, it's just the saturation of talent, it's it's easy to find. And uh, the one thing that that's always a wake up call is when most, because I most most of my, unlike you, a lot of my, I'd say majority of my clients are very much on the underground artist development level. That's sure. where I thrive. Sure, um, and. They say, okay, can I get my royalty statement? And I'll send them the royalty statement, and it'll be like $9, mm-hmm. something, you know, very small. And $9? Are you kidding me? I'm like, well, listen, Spotify pays out .006% per right. stream, or you $0.06 cents per stream. Yeah, it's it so awful. It's pretty low, yeah. It's very low, and, and you know what? I'm not going to get in trouble saying this. Spotify doesn't care what I say. Right. But it's it's... It's very much a, a Ponzi scheme of sorts because th- the guys at the top are making all kinds of money, all kinds of money just from advertising and, and subscription fees. I have Spotify Premium. I pay $10 right. a month. Yeah, I'm
2: sure it's yeah. hundreds of millions or what. The spot that brings me back to that Rogan uh, Spotify talk with um, the Black Keys mm-hmm. he was saying though, and, and there's more about it too with the major labels like, what is it, Daniel Eck? Is that his name? or the yes. guy that Yeah, okay. Yes. So... He gave out, you know, Universal. There's like three majors, what, Universal, Warner, and whatever. Sony. the Sony. And each of them he gave stock ownership to in Spotify Which when that shit started or is, whatever. Yeah. So they're getting paid on the back end even prior to streams or whatever else is happening. And that's when that whole Taylor Swift thing, I think, happened mm-hmm. and came into play. And all these artists wanted, like, more ownership. Again, I'm not perfect on what it is, but, like, ownership rights or yeah. stock rights or options or something like that along the lines from... You know, not getting paid probably that .06 cent and when you're a Taylor why, Swift or somebody you want stock ownership at that
0: point. And that's why so many of these mid level bands, especially we look in rock and metal, where yeah. you know you have I don't I don't I have a good example off the top of my head. Maybe like a Wage War, for example. Right. Okay, they're they they're very big in the metalcore scene. They're at the top of their game, kind of like Bleeding Through was in 2002. Wins a play, yeah, that type yeah. of thing. But if you look at the difference, if you took. Uh, wage war, and you put them in 2002, or pre CDs going mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, yeah, um, you did not have to tour all year because you made a lot of your revenue via tangible CD sales. Very true. And now with streaming, you're not. Ma- that's not where you're making your money, unless you're Taylor Swift or or some of these other people that yeah. are just gobbling up streams. You're making your money by tour and by merchandise those are two big things but the problem with that it's great that musicians can still make money we should really count our chickens but at the same time you are constantly working that's true though a lot of people that have nine to five jobs will say well i constantly work but it's not the same kind of work yeah you're away from your family you're you're really spending almost everything you're making Just to remain relevant. Right. Right. And
2: keep it moving. And that's why obviously too, it's like the VIP thing came in and so many people were like, fuck, you know, fuck that. I don't want to pay to meet my favorite band. And I get both sides Mm -hmm. too. You know, I mean, I don't want to, and you never used to have to even, you know, coming up in those earlier times of whatever the early two thousands. But that's a revenue source now that you know uh, taylor swift again you're like i don't want to pay the three grand to meet her she doesn't need it but the up-and-comers a wage award does vip packages or somebody and it makes sense you know for something like that well now
1: like that vip is a thing keeping your favorite bands around and what's that and what i was gonna ask is um you know you two get to see a lot of this but and i think that he already answered my question but how does an artist even make money in 2020 yeah. and until 2030 now cuz i only assume right. that it's going to get worse because it's already bad that corporations have kind of dipped their hands in it so much that there's nothing left in the jar except for crumbs at this point. Right. No, it and is even tough. like when he said Taylor Swift battling for the royalties if it was pre-streaming stuff she'd even be making a lot more money than she is now as an artist. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think and that's that. true. <laughs> and so and i'm, I'm not i'm not a Taylor Swift fan but she's the one making the art. Yeah. She didn't need the corporate. She doesn't need that shit, really. Right, right. She could hire her own team like in the old days of PR and stuff. And build it, yeah, and around And build yourself. it. But yeah. now it's so controlled. Even if you did break into the mainstream, mm-hmm. you have no chance to even start your own team because there's already teams of people that deter you from doing that in the first right. place. Right, and
2: that's where yeah, the the puppet strings come. The bigger you get, you know, the more they want their hands on mm-hmm. you for that uh, piece of the pie and the control to make the system you know operate and pay pay everybody. But um. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I think the best way artists can make money is again, kind of stemming back to that earlier part of the conversation was like, you have to learn to adapt. And, you know, people have said this before to me, but, and I still say it sometimes I'm a musician first and foremost too, but like music is like not the thing of value anymore, really. It's more the commercial to sell what you are as an influencer, a creator, and whether that is just a t-shirt, whether it's a concert date, whether it's you know, a, a subscription thing monthly where you're just talking to people. It doesn't have to be just about the music. It can be about giving interesting content or perspective, I guess, to the people's life. So that's what I see. And I see, like, subscription becoming, like, a huge thing for musicians as well. If they can learn to utilize it, I don't have the, the right answer. A, but.
1: a good comparison to make here, um, and I don't know how much you guys pay attention to this because I, I personally pay attention to it a lot, but mm-hmm.
2: Twitch I'm familiar, but I don't know a lot about um, it. But so I like know, like, like
1: streamers that um streamers. Gamers that stream, you know, like on Twitch or Mixer or whatever, they make they have a much higher profit profit margin than um um musicians now. Like like you said, Spotify is what, point zero zero six or something stupid. Not enough, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's not even a fucking penny <laughs> yeah. per stream, which is god I mean and, and you gotta think but that's another thing. Um, anyway, yeah, gamers and stuff a lot now um, are they stream and like these massive streamers, they make millions. You know, they it's you can subscribe to a person, one person who runs a channel, okay, and just games for you know eight or ten hours a day. They mm-hmm. can stay in their house, unlike musicians who have to travel all over the fucking place. Right, they stay in their house and they stream them playing video games. If there's a way to figure out how to do that, but for musicians and have continuous creative content and ideas I think yeah, that would be good. Genius. And the profit margin is like now Amazon has kind of dipped into Twitch but they're still making I think
3: the, good the, money the, or way better
1: four, than $4 out of the $5 stream. Right, so if you have 3000 to... <laughs> subscribers every month, 3000 mm. times 4 would be your revenue per month,
2: which is genius honestly. Yeah. I mean, that'd be smart yeah. if they could figure that out to so like they have I was gonna say live but stream it's like not a performance. popular. Um
0: this website that I turn my clients onto to is called Stage It. So there's some free uh, resource for everybody listening. Mm-hmm. Stage It is a c is a website, that a company that you can actually sell tickets to your live stream Genius. as a musician. And it's it's really it's really good, especially and I again this is something I'm giving out free uh, management right now, but this is something I tell my clients is if you can do something like a giveaway, yeah, like let's say you go 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 to Best Buy or Amazon or whatever and get like a, a twenty five dollar gift card and say I'm giving away this twenty five dollar Amazon gift card. Join my live stream, one of you lucky viewers is going to get it. You'll make that money back plus a bunch. That's true. You plug your shit. You Gets do all kinds of. Oh, yeah. it's you just have to be able to use these resources properly.
1: Yeah, and actually, it's funny that you said that on Twitch they do a lot of giveaways, especially if you're a new streamer cause there's like been an influx because people are starting to realize they can make money off gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's an influx influx of streamers. So they do the giveaways, um, an idea. And I've been thinking about this for like my personal DJ stuff and other production stuff is I, I've been trying to develop ways to kind of, um, stream my production and That's kind cool. of talk to, um, fans and stuff through like a live stream p- on Facebook or yeah. Twitch, which, and then in turn, they can subscribe. So maybe that will be kind of the future, is instead of going to concert, or something, you know, people are going to be more streaming. Well, true, but people never thought that people would watch people gaming. Yeah, see I I never saying? thought
2: that either because I was like you know what that's that be where boring, I'm the okay but it boomer is a big thing because and... <laughs> I'm like I don't
1: get it I don't understand it now what
2: about I... like VR if they could figure that out to where you're almost Ooh, and I don't know when or where but or like you said even the I guess sell the live ticket thing I mean if you could have like a really good sound mix and almost mm-hmm. perform a live concert maybe run out a stage and have lights going and have a kick ass mix through yeah, that yeah, yeah. and then sell your merch right online it's too. actually really easy that I've already sweet. kind of
1: developed that yeah. Um, it's a lot easier than you think, and as long as you have a system that's relatively zero latency, you can do all of that live. It's insane. It's uh, and p- some people, and maybe this is something you maybe need to to look into, especially your guys' businesses. Go on Twitch and start looking up. There's a, there's a section called Live Arts, mm-hmm. and there's like bands and stuff, and they will do concerts and stuff on there. I'll have to check it's that not out. Super popular now. But people, like I said, doing you know, it. you said so, I mean, oh, that's where shit. I'm a boomer. Yeah. Boomers didn't think, and they're still <laughs> profounded by how people make millions off of fucking gaming and streaming. <laughs> right. But they're fucking doing it. It's happening. We tell all them day. about Spotify. They're like, "Oh, I remember when I had to put the record on the player." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to be fair, I want to cr-
0: correct something <laughs> here. Just, just so people don't get the wrong idea about me, I'm not mad at the gamers making the money. That's, that's not my issue. Shit. I think they, uh, you know, I think I think the gamers. Yeah are the entrepreneurs. I think it's oh god, we're on Snapchat right now. I and speaking Shut of because this is actually in my conversation here. I think it's the people that are paying to watch someone else play video games that are I don't want to call them the problem. It's more of just what I take exception with and it, and we can get we can get this into a different topic, which is Snapchat like Premium. Story. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, so so I have it. I have an Another issue. money maker. With, uh, see, here's the thing. I have an issue with Snapchat Premium. I do not have an issue with the girls that are being entrepreneurs that are like, oh, I got nice tits and a big ass. I'm gonna go ahead and make a Snapchat Premium. Right, That's not my issue. My issue is the lonely men who don't realize that porn is free. That, that that go and they spend all this money and they're like, ooh, okay, Snapchat me this specific thing with this specific, and I, I I just don't get it. I guess the whole thing is a personable interaction. That could be yeah, I don't, it just
2: porn's free like
0: see <laughs> on me. I, I listen, that's just one man's opinion. So just to be clear, I have no issue with the person making the money. I, it's my my exception is the person that's spending the money, because I just don't understand why anybody would do that. That's just me.
1: Well, it's, it's changing of eras is really what it boils down to. And I feel like, and this is what you were kind of talking about earlier, to survive in the industry, you have to t- stay on top of these changes. Right. And if you yeah, don't, yeah. then you might as well kiss your business goodbye because that's exactly what that is. And Integrating. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and integration. And um, what's interesting is I feel like a reason, and eventually they're gonna crack on down on the Snapchat Premium shit. I guarantee you that'll happen. As far as well, the girls and stuff. But anyway, that's enough That's a different conversation. I don't know if you should be having it on here. And uh, Pornhub is 1080p now for free. Up. Uh, <laughs> right. Anyway. I mean, Google yet. Yeah, anyway.
2: Um, this podcast is
0: not sponsored by Pornhub.
2: but right.
1: We wish we were. <laughs> hey, I'll I'll probably wear the T-shirt. Anyway. <laughs> Um so like on Twitch and like streaming when you, it's 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 a uh, and like the Snapchat premium theory it's it's being more personable people want to be close to the artist i i mean right. that's why people pay for meet and greets yeah that's true though why else would they pay for meet and greets because they like the artist that yeah, much that they want to pick their brain they don't want to say shake their hand and say hey and then Fangirl, they want to say, you know, at least people like me, they want to say, "Oh, dude, you know, how did you do this? You know, you changed my life with your music. You know, I, you know, I'm curious." And, and hopefully,
2: I guess, hopefully, the people that support too know that it helps the artist, you know, and and that way of supporting, like doing a VIP or something that, not again to like go against the labels, right. whatever. I mean, that's another argument for another day. But um, yeah, at least hopefully that funding goes direct to them to help support the art and keep it going.
3: Right,
1: and. Um, with the Snapchat premium and like continuously I would call just subscription based services. A way to keep that clientele is like on Twitch. Mm-hmm. They award you things like um emojis and stuff you can use after time. If you subscribe for okay. three months, six months, or a year, you get certain privileges in the chat in the live stream that other people don't get. S- and, and so
2: is it like almost like being verified kind of or can you get verified on there or?
1: Well say say you're say you're a streamer. Mm-hmm. Say you're a band, you know, you start doing that or you produce or you start gaming and you're a streamer. If I subscribe to you, then I get a icon next to my name in your chat when I talk to you.
2: So you'll know that's a subscriber, a paid subscriber, yeah. And
1: but after three months that icon goes bronze, then after six months it goes silver, then after twelve months it goes gold. So it gives a certain incentive. Now I know that like Ryan doesn't probably understand this and I don't know, you know, but like eventually I think as a society and especially the music stuff, like if you're trying to make that money, it's figuring out different things to do that other people already aren't. aren't. Right. And I think right. that we're really going in that direction. Mm. And that's... So some ideas, you know.
0: I th- here's my my rebuttal with that, and it's just, again, this is all personal opinion of mine. This... Having these bronze, silver, gold things next to your name on Twitch and having these little accolades. A really good example, me playing Call of Duty and getting prestige and all these cool things, right? I can do that all day long but it means absolutely nothing in the real world. It the, no, listen, for, <laughs> seriously. So like I I can play Call of Duty all day feel so accomplished that I got to a certain level.
2: Right, rank I walk one out one.
0: my door, no one gives a fuck. Yeah. No one cares that someone is a Twitch subscriber to the max in the real world. Again, people can do whatever they want to do to be happy. I'm not knocking right. that. Right, yeah, yeah. It's just I'm afraid, and again, I sound like a boomer. I'm fucking 29 <laughs> <You always> here. <laughs> but I'm afraid that people are not allocating all of their time in a productive manner as regards to things happening in the real world. Right. These things are productive. And again, it's a catch-22 because as producers, as people who are part of creating content, all three of us, we thrive on that. Those people are our base. That's who we need to survive. So I appreciate what they do. I appreciate their interests. I just hope that it's being balanced with actual productivity. Because all the time they spent trying to get a certain badge, they could have spent maybe learning to play guitar, learning to sing, learning to do all these real things that they can walk outside their house and say, listen, I can do this now. I'm this talented. So that's where I'm at.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. So if you are the subscriber on there, do you have to do things to earn it, or is it just if you stay paid?
1: Um, if It's generally if you stay paid. Okay, okay. However the streamer will award you sometimes if you do certain things. That's It's kind of like an engagement. Um, And that's what I I feel like and maybe a common misconception is streamers do this to engage with people. Yeah. And people do it to engage with the streamer. It's all engagement. It's engagement of your fan base. Right. Is why they do it. Um, and growing that fan base naturally with real people because like like when you talk about clip, click farm stuff the people in these chats and twitch and stuff are generally real
2: yeah it's not fake bots or right, right right interacting
1: so it's growing a natural fan base and then like when you do play a show or if you do go to a convention or something you can do the meet, meet and greets from your twitch based subscriber field or something yeah you, and they're you know.
2: actually real and gonna be there hopefully. yeah and then
1: they'll pay money to meet you or sure. you know you can just even go say hey I'll be here meet me here and then um, like people even now they, they tweet these twitch streamer stuff they they stream them at the conventions because you know it's like 5g and stuff it's very zero latency Um, and when you're talking about you know things being realistic and stuff I you know my parents told me and my grandparents told me, and I'm sure lots of other people have heard this. But when you tell them you want to be a musician and stuff, they're like, "Oh, that's highly unrealistic. You know, that's not in the real world." Yeah. Blah 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 blah. But when I told them, "Hey, I made four hundred dollars for an hour's worth of my art," right? They're like, "Holy fuck, that's more than a doctor <laughs> makes." And you're like, "That's goddamn right." Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um. So it's it's kind of a double-edged blade, and, you know, this, this whole thing kind of got off topic, but realistically, I don't, have you ever seen the movie Ready, Ready Player One? Never seen that one, no. You need to watch it. I was
2: going to say, I've heard of it, I think. It's, Maybe I when, haven't even heard of it. I don't know. I think that's Spielberg.
1: Yeah, it is. I'll have to check that one so, out. So it was a book. The mm. book sucks. Don't read it. The movie's really good. <laughs> watch the movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I do a lot of reading, so yeah. I, I, I feel like my opinion's valid here. Anyway. Basically, people live in trailers, right? The future. It's a future. People live yeah. in trailers, and, and their world is VR. So That's like how they, they're living. And when you talked about VR earlier, I really do believe, and we're getting closer and closer every year. The Oculus Rift and all that is getting closer and closer. and Everything's starting to VR, and I guarantee you there will be VR streaming. Now, when you talk about shows and stuff and being there, that's what I'm saying though, is how in these more and more generations, you know, especially younger people, they don't go out. I'm telling you right. because I see it. Right.
2: I read about that too, the prediction was saying and I I don't know the years or whatever, but again, like reading in the quote conspiracy whatever in but it's half every yeah. 10
1: years it's chopped in half it's pretty wild and now it's even more and it because, said
2: like it would become a thing even thanksgivings and stuff it was like families aren't going to get together anymore they'll like VR each other and stuff and like not leave their house it, it, or like your friends won't hang out anymore right
1: and and VR is is become almost it's it's nearing kind of I wouldn't say perfection but it's definitely becoming more mainstreamed even to the point where they have VR for your phone And (laughs) and I really do believe like if someone figures it out and we go that direction that's going to be the end of it. And then so you need to figure out how kind of to get those monetary gains before corporations understand it because they did it with CDs, they did it with tapes, they did it with vinyl, they did it with streaming but at the early era before they figured that out there was always the people that made that money.
2: Yeah, that's very true before they came and took it over.
1: (laughs) So James Cameron... Great director. He always
0: said this. He said that sci-fi is always a foreshadowing and a warning to humanity.
2: Of what will happen. What will happen. And he just
0: stressed it's a warning and not in a good way. I was
2: going to say that's kind of freaky.
0: So what... And it's true because, hell, you look at some of these movies that were made in the 70s, 80s, and and even 90s, they've already come true. Yeah. Which is really fucked. And what really scares the shit out of me, and Ian, I want to know if it scares you, and Chris, I want to know if it scares you, is... (laughs) You're talking about this reality of VR and how everybody's going to be so into it and not going out and just being stagnant human beings, which is extremely unhealthy from a medical perspective. definitely is. That is not a society I want to ever see become a reality. We already have, as Americans especially, major obesity issues, major aspirational issues, major... We have all kinds of problems. I don't have to tell anybody that. And a lot of it has to do with people being lazy. And I'm not just... Listen, it could be millennials being lazy. No. It could be Gen X being lazy. It could be boomers, even boomers being lazy. It doesn't matter. There's always... It's it's very contagious. You see your friend doing something, yeah, you're going to do it too.
2: So That's kind of maybe what the government wants. It keeps people at well, bay, we're man, get, you know? Now we're talking <laughs> yeah. like some Joe Rogan <laughs> I mean, podcast here. <laughs>
3: are,
1: are you big in a, conspiracy theories
2: not not like insane but i like that kind of thought i mean it seems (laughs) to make sense some of the
1: stuff what do you what do you think about this stuff just out of curiosity like what do you what do you think is gonna be either the next thing or like um i don't know
0: are we all going to be (laughs) slaves to vr someday in our lifetimes
2: I hope not. I sure hope not. But I mean, I think of things like when I talk to, I mean, our grandparents or something, my grandmothers like, you know, came, I don't know what year she was born or whatever, but the advancement they've seen has to be mind blowing where she like didn't right. have a phone or a TV or cars or dirt, you know, dirt roads or like, I don't even think a bathroom in their house, you know, in the They early use fucking days coupons
1: to... <laughs> to get to Mars <laughs> <Yeah>. or <laughs> to get to the moon. Like, it's the, insane. you know, the card with the hole punches. Uh, What is it? You know, like the big computers, and they and and back in the day before they That's had like what, they, oh, uh, uh, what the the floppy disk. I can't even fucking think of what they're called. Mm-hmm. But there was the thing before that, where they basically like coupons with hole punches.
2: That's what they use. Holy shit! Yeah, I never knew that. I'm but, gonna uh, I'm gonna
1: all friend you on Facebook. I'm gonna send yeah, you, you, you some send shit because you'll cool you'll stuff. like that.
2: But um, yeah. So I mean, it's pretty mind blowing to think. I think my grandma's like ninety, mm-hmm. you know, right around there. So who knows in that amount of time you know if we make it that long what could happen or change it's very dystopian yeah it
0: it, it could like there are good things about vr but if you're if you're going to start to eliminate tangible real life things because we can all all three of us can can understand there's a difference between virtual reality and reality of course and if you start to eliminate actual reality we're going into a place that's very dark
2: yeah, it's a creepy world, too, it's, if there's, like, nobody outside most times or doing anything. It's a very anything.
0: strange yeah, it's, Stephen it's King different. novel <laughs> right. that hasn't been written yet. I was going to say, is that a movie? Did yeah, anybody write that so, yet? So, you know, it's an interesting thing. To <laughs> get back on the music topic real, real quick, though, and I want to ask you specifically about this, Chris, because this is something that was also brought up on the Black Keys episode.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: The We were talking about artists who have a hard time making money and they get, you know, woken by the fact that they haven't made much from royalties and other things. So because of that, and I've experienced this with other musicians that I personally know and other musicians that I manage. Yeah. When you see the first big dollar sign, you are quick to jump on it without reading.
2: Very true. Yeah, a lot of artists are and they think... You know, X amount of money of an advance is not life changing to most, obviously in like hard rock or heavy metal, but they see that as a way that it's gonna help them now and that's where having a manager, somebody legal, somebody come in and take a look at and weigh your options, but even at that rate Having somebody to help break it down or help you understand if you don't understand, like what's you know, kind of the long term outcome, yes. you know, of of what that and it, would be. So many
0: bands are afraid that it's just their one shot; they got to take it. Right. If they don't take it, they're never going to get another contract again. Rob Zombie, when he was a White Zombie, declined four deals before signing his initial deal. It's pretty wild. Back so, then, too. I mean, it's, right. So you never know. So you you got to be very careful as an artist or a band that it's. The label's job, this is not knocking the label, this is their actual job, is to sell you a dream. True. Because that's the only way they're going to get a return. Yeah. And you have to be able to say, okay, is this a real dream they're selling me? Is this a dream with Far-fetched, caveats? Yeah. <laughs> is this not even a dream at all? It, it, it's a very complex thing. And the artists who bide their time and are patient with it and do it the right way are the ones you see. Out right now, and sure. even some of these big ones, they talk about it all the time. Taylor Swift talked about it. Her yeah. first deal that she signed took all her shit.
2: Right, you know, well, and that's a thing too that I think a lot of people have a common misconception, and I'm both on both ends of the spectrum. So now we live in like the greatest day and age where it's easier than ever to make yourself so to speak or become you know a big artist or whatever because you have the same reach like universal is just still going to upload your music the same way you could upload your music in a way to cd baby or something Mm -hmm. you know making the magic happen of people loving it and stuff yeah it requires money sometimes investment sometimes it's just that magic i guess but um that's where like you know, a major, somebody comes in and spends millions of dollars to make an artist. And then that's where the misconception happens too, where they're like, you know, the artist then comes back, oh, I want my rights and I want this and whatever. And they're like, well, we spent millions. We haven't recouped yet and all this stuff. So it is, it's a crazy, I don't know, crazy place, a crazy world for artists to figure out where they can make their money. But artists I think are not Uh, well versed enough to understand like you can take a loan out even or start an LLC or do something like that still own all your rights and still get you know five grand ten grand whatever it might be not saying it's just that easy but what a label might give you you know you don't have to necessarily give up and if you are going to do that like you need to have value in what it is because why would a label want to just sign you on a whim like that's again where it stems back to like music is kind of the commercial but like you know, it's, it's pretty rare and I hate to say it, but I'm not going to like sign a bunch of artists just cause I think like, Oh, these three songs are pretty good. There has to be something more to it, whether it's value, whether it's understanding, whether it's, you know, whatever to want to invest in, I guess.
1: Yeah. So you're looking for an o- overall business um, investment yeah. yeah, kind of plan anyway. Um, what would you say, and this is a question for both of you, what would you say, like, has, has an artist, like, a solo artist that gets offered something,
3: mm.
1: right? Um, should they seek like legal help or like help from someone like you? Like if it was like a big dollar amount and they were doing really good, like blew up on SoundCloud or something or if they found a way to distribute on their own to Spotify. Right. And then it popped off. And, th- and then they start to see all these offers come through the email and stuff. What would you say kind of some advice for them at that point because I'm sure that's a lot yeah. of what happens right and then they get caught in that fucking web
2: right and they'll usually yeah sign maybe a bad deal I don't know but I think if you're able to have enough hype or buzz to where like you have leverage you know you got to bring somebody on board to help you negotiate the best options and it seems like major labels now because a lot of these hip-hop artists especially pop on SoundCloud and other places mm-hmm. by their self like the artists are not stupid any I'm not saying they were stupid, but like they're not dumb anymore as like they once would sign. So they're like, I don't need you. I'm already making all this money. I already got shows. I already have stuff. So the label has to come in and be a partner at this point instead of taking the rights. They have to bring something to the table
0: to make it worth
2: that artist's time, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Absolutely. I would say it very much depends on the offer. So, right managers have enough good managers have enough acumen to diagnose most contracts yeah and that's you know i say that there some label contracts can be really really dicey some can be dozens of pages long and all kinds of nuances and that's when you get legal representation certainly um, but other things you know i being in the artist development level and a, and a slightly above, I I get a lot of crazy shit sent to me, like a lot of non-established companies that are trying to sell dreams to my clients. Right, making off, yeah. And I, I, it really frustrates me because some of these things I see are just uh, they're scams, is what they are. And and I, right. you know, I've got one saved in my email that I always read back on because it's hilarious. It was something <laughs> like. If you sign with this company, we will buy you a Bentley Continental GT no in way. cream white <laughs> with red trim. It was, like, really... Like, wow. But it was, like, bullet... It was not like a contract. It was, like, in the body of an email or either wow. that or, like, a basic bitch PDF file. Yeah. And uh, it said, like, we will buy you a beach house with two bedrooms, <laughs> <do that> bath. <laughs> but it, like, made... It was, like, made wow. no sense. Right. Anybody that knows you know, what to look for sees red flags everywhere. Right. Damn. And it was just one of those things where, and I, and this is why managers are so important. This is why I think that people that do what we do are always going to be necessary because again, it's all about being educated in the yeah. industry without, without, People like us that are reviewing these things and looking for red flags that we see over and over and over every day, people would be spending money left and right on on all kinds of awful things and they would never see that money again. Right. And I always tell my clients, is not only are we helping you make money, but we're helping you save money. That's
2: true. And looking out for the best interests. I mean, I I like to say, you know, I operate as like a ghost member of each band or team or whatever, you know. So, I mean, I try to understand like where they're coming from, but at the same time, look out for their best interest or what's the best interest for our team, our movement, you know, the goals at hand, whatever it is there. So hopefully sure. they'll, they'll be willing to trust. And that's a whole nother conversation even of, does the artist want to listen? Are they willing to listen? You know, do you tell them things and they just want in, in one ear out the other and yeah. don't do it? Oh but yeah. Um. <laughs> that's a big part of it. Yeah.
0: And I always, I, and it, this is probably the number one thing I ever say to my clients, mm-hmm. anybody who signs on at all, my job is a manager because everybody has different definitions of a manager, But yeah. for me, my job is to open doors Right. That is my number one job If I'm not opening doors for my artists In, my, in the, any of the bands that I represent Any opportunities, then I'm not doing a good job Right With that being said, it is their job To walk through those doors
2: Very, very true
0: I can open all the doors in the world yeah. If they don't yeah. have the work ethic to take advantage of them You're just throwing money down the drain
2: That's the same thing, I mean, yeah, it's like build a plan. You know, we make a plan and spend months and get things prepared and you can only do so much, right? Carry them to the finish line of like, we have the plan, here's the music, here's this, here's our goals, here's the marketing, but they still have to be able to execute at the end of the day or whoever else, I guess, you know, is a part of the team there. But yeah, I mean, and that's the hardest part of all for anybody, I think, not just saying an artist or a musician, but to, to cross the goals off and truly execute it and for everything to hopefully
1: go well. Um,
2: Or adjust when it doesn't, you know, along the way.
1: Can I use your uh, personal experience with audience of the rain as an example? Audience of the the yeah, I changed your band name. (laughs) Do you like it? Sure. Yeah, go for it. Do whatever. Uh, so you guys were presented with a uh, (laughs) kind of a contract before, right? So it wasn't a
0: contract. It was um, it was a radio syndication. Sure. And like a marketing thing for radio. Yes. Yeah. And I won't mention the company. I'm not about that. But uh, they didn't realize, as they shouldn't, most bands don't have a full-time acting manager in the band. Right. Somebody who knows, Somebody yeah, knows what's going shit. on. So we had a phone conference and they were going over things and I I, I was like, no, <laughs> that's not accurate. That's not how it works. Right. And they got really defensive. And that's when you know that it's not
1: right. Yeah. You're not going to get yeah. defensive unless...
2: And it's with Put your gut, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, go with your gut on anything well, you and, say. And
1: it's like, you know, just goes to, sh- to show, if if Ryan wasn't there, they would have done it.
2: Right, right. Which
1: is... Oh. Well, it's, it's a proof in the
2: pudding thing, too. And, I mean, it doesn't mean that's always accurate either, again, stemming back to the Google thing. But, like, right. you can kind of look up some companies and see, dig up somewhat. It doesn't mean, again, that there's not, you know, things about them, whatever. But, um hopefully do do research on you know with anything so
1: well yeah and it's like you know like in an electronic scene the hip-hop scene is kind of because electronic scenes blown up so much mm-hmm. and the hip-hop scene has always obviously been big yeah and and you guys probably don't see this as much as rock and metal um obviously i know that because i've been around that a lot too <coughs> but there's just so many pipe dreams man there's it's it's just pipe dreams and like yeah, and i wanted to talk about this before we kind of wrap things up but a good example, there's, and I don't know if I, am not gonna name it. I'm the kind of person if I feel like it needs to be put on blast, it needs to be You're put on blast, it, yeah. And I don't give a shit, but <laughs> I'm gonna be nice. I'm feeling nice. I've had a beer, so I'm feeling nice. <laughs> it's a Friday, <laughs> uh, and it's Friday, you know. I got a whole weekend. Um, but there's there's a show that's happening this weekend, and the the ticket the ticket or where you are up the, they don't even have a solidified lineup. It's yet okay. Before it's it. and, and you could probably see where I'm going with this, they have but it's they have the axe, but they don't have the order. Have the axe, oh, okay, okay. have the order. And it's bait, the order is based on how many tickets you sell. Now, tickets are twenty dollars a piece, twenty five like at the rock, door.
2: Rock event, or you know who it sounds like, and I can say this right now because they don't exist
0: anymore. <laughs> You remember uh, Gorilla?
2: Oh fuck yeah! I've yeah. never worked with them. I've just heard lots Dumb. of they don't bad, exist anymore bad things, for good yeah. reasons. And
0: they were they were the rock metal version of what you're
1: talking about again. So, so twenty dollars a ticket that the band that the the I wouldn't call them bands, but the acts sell. And bands are even had it better because there's five people selling them. Mm-hmm. That helped, yeah. You Sometimes know, DJs. <laughs> there's only it's only you yourself and you. That's true, though. You know and. Um, they only make three dollars of that, and of the it's 20. there's no bar sell percentage, which I've been a big involvement of EDM shows and stuff. And like take it's, a always, cut from, yeah, it's always yeah, it's always been promoters do the job. You know, there's a solidifying lineup. You sell the lineup because you want the show to do good. It's kind of a I do you solid, you do me solid, and and then you make a percentage of bar percentage of bar sales, and or we pay you out of time. But they don't even have a solidified lineup until tomorrow, which the show is tomorrow.
2: So you're saying no headliner, at least? Because, I mean, that well, would be there's a headliner. Our but the
1: headliners, and this is what national. bothers me, the headliner's a big, really big national act that is on tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds pretty standard
2: of, like, a rock booking. Do you agree? I mean, yeah. that's what, like, I mean, shit, I was doing that st oh six, oh five.
1: I know, but it just, it sucks, so to me... But... To me, well, at least back then, lineups were even solidified, which I can understand that right. as a payment. So, you know what you're signing up for. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. this is a sole popularity contest.
2: Of who sells the most, who's going to well, generate the most revenue, and, of course, they'll put you hopefully in the best slot then, or the promoter might have a friend they're going to put yeah, in
0: it's a good
3: just, slot. But anyways. it's just crazy <laughs> to me, you know?
0: Yeah, so the, the issue is, is not it's not just an electronic my band has two shows right now set up just like that. So it it, it's, it helps that you have five members or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely always been that way. At least it's not like hip hop, because what I see in the hip hop world is you pay. Yeah, there are. I've had clients before they came to me, pay three hundred dollars to like play a, a five minute set <laughs> for J Cole or something.
2: Like a big ass show we talking about uh, it's a or? big show, I mean, five minutes is but not worth it. five minutes it. Like,
0: no one in that crowd is going to remember comprehend who you, are five, you in five minutes, minutes. Yeah, 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 so they're like, is that so not what is even that? worth it, Psh, other than a maybe a resume builder, if that, but that's still not right, you or can maybe do a lot more for your money, yeah, or a networking
2: thing if you can get backstage um, or make it worth it, but it's hard, you know i I honestly, when we started c b entertainment again, I don't know like the exact year or whatever, sure. but We did a lot of hip hop stuff that was like, I don't know why it wasn't my world, but like I was still in metal and whatever, but hip hops, it was something that I worked with a lot and spent a lot of time doing. We hosted the Ohio hip hop awards, I think two or three years and like hosted shows in columbus and all these places and i noticed that too it was like 15 minute slots for, and you have to sell 20 tickets or you yep. know a 12 minute thing and that's not how we ever did it even but it was a lot of problems i noticed too as to where i mean metal and you know it had like mosh pits and whatever but i like hip-hop there was like a few gun incidents yep. and a few you know the things it's got just a lot just more a, of a crazy. i was like mm-hmm. man that's just not for me you know i i, I don't want to even mosh anymore i'm too old for that so like <laughs> i hear you but dude. uh
3: right yeah. i stand in the
2: we go right and just watch you know take <laughs> oh, it yeah, in man. Now. or right in front my of the time. speaker
0: and then I leave the show not hearing anything <laughs> right. out of the left side yeah. just a um, ring for three days that's right <laughs> so my last question we're gonna wrap it up here but my last question for you is if you had to single out and this is so tough because I get this question a lot from Liquid Sound Records but if you had to single out one artist or band from CB Entertainment's roster yeah and one artist or band from Legend Recordings roster separately who would you right. pick at the current moment or I, all time however yeah, you want to yeah, answer I mean, that question
2: cb you know there's been so many over the years i mean so many awesome bands that i love but the one that's a highlight for me of all is working with rex brown and pantera you know because okay. that one was like one that was like just my artist that i got to work with sure. you know and just like the experience not money i wouldn't have cared or anything of that but just the experience of hearing the stories of like being in fucking Pantera, how that was, what it was really like. You yeah, know, we were starstruck. Recalls, we
0: actually had Phil and Salmo and the illegals on the podcast that's sweet. Like a couple months I mean, ago. So that's we, fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. We, we were just in the was same a, boat as you, man. Yeah, totally. I mean,
2: but, uh, so just spending, I think we did like three years roughly together on and off of, you know, just doing like the NAM show we did one yeah. year with him and just, you know, putting out a record, helping him through the process, the artwork, seeing it all come together was like a real highlight for me. Got to meet some really cool people from that too. So that's like the CB thing. Sure. Um, legend, I don't really know, you know, I think I'm still looking for like my favorite artist, but one okay. of my favorites is kind of. A random one but it's a singer songwriter from maine that i put out and he was the first yeah yeah, the first artist that we ever put out on legend his name's christopher beggars and he just had this really cool story um he was like homeless jumping trains like had nothing to his name just wrote these songs and has this whole story about it so he put an ep together and we put that out as our first one so that one still like holds a special spot for me you know of what it is even though he's not super famous and huge and whatever but that one definitely for legend is uh
1: is my favorite that's awesome
0: anything else Ian you want to ask him before we wrap it up
1: uh what's the coolest thing you've done (laughs) (laughs) ever or with music I don't know
2: however you want to answer it's fine man I honestly don't know I'd say one of my highlight moments though would be probably getting to hang out with and actually having dinner with Corey Taylor from Slipknot I hate you. Yeah that was that was a cool one and it wasn't like a VIP you know,
0: meet and greet. I've always you know, said it was a, a I'm, real ve- I'm very proud with. of this quality of me is that I mm. do not fanboy for anybody. I just don't when I, we, we right. have a lot of bigger names on the podcast and I just yeah, treat yeah. them like people because they're, they're great people Slipknot's the exception. I've been <laughs> right. listening to them since I was five years old. I had the Meat awesome. feet kill repeat demo everything. Holy oh yeah I, I went all nine yards. So right I, right. Yeah I don't know if I'd be able to pull that what you're talking you know, about because i'd be like
2: "No, oh my god it was for me too because i mean the same i just love slip not the first album mm-hmm. everything so random timing but it was my mentor uh blasco he plays for ozzy osbourne so okay. that's who helped help teach me a lot of good things but so him and him and Corey were good friends and it was just this one time we were all together i think it was the ap awards it might have been okay. actually but just random as could be, you know. And here comes Corey Taylor outside. What's up, Blasco? They were good friends from Ozfest days. So I was with, Bla- like, with Blasco, and I'm like, "Holy shit, this is Corey Taylor!" Right. You know, again, I'm the same way. Like most stars and stuff, it's just normal people. But mm-hmm. that was one special. And he was like short, like same height as me, yeah. you know. And but uh, super cool. So, That's yeah. fucking yeah. awesome. Dude. Really polite guy, you know. Super humble, easy going, easy to talk to. You oh, know. Yeah. It was, Kick ass. So
0: um people want to find more information on C B entertainment and legend recordings, where can they go?
2: I guess Google or uh C B Entertainment. It's C B E N T one com or Legend Recordings is legend recordings.co. So
0: Easy enough. Stop right, on man. by. Well thanks, uh, Chris Bianchi. Yeah. For coming on the podcast so tonight. Yeah, no problem. This is awesome. No problem. Ian, good to see you again. And uh we will uh Probably have a couple more guests here in the next month or so before we uh, get that spring concert uh, rotation in here and really get back on a roll. So, uh, as always, we're out.